Welcome back to Sprinkle with Hope podcast with your host, Jason. And today, Shane and I got to talk to a CEO and founder of Hint Water. She is so awesome. I, to me, what she said, kind of almost like she was talking to me personally, <laughs> just with some things that are going on right now that Shane and I are working on. And, and what a privilege it was to talk to her. I really think that you guys could get something out of this as well. So take a listen. We do feel like she talked specifically to us, but I also believe that if you listen to what she's saying and take that advice to heart, that she will also be speaking to you. So Kara Golden joins us. Um, She gives some great advice. We want to thank her for joining us and thank you as our listeners for allowing us to do what we love to do. Welcome to the Sprinkled with Hope podcast. Welcome to Sprinkle with Hope podcast with your host, Jason, and we have an amazing guest with us today, Kara Golden. She is the founder and CEO of Hint Water, and she is amazing. She wrote a book, um, if you guys can see this, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. So, Kara, if you wouldn't mind kind of introducing yourself and then just talk just a little bit about what that actually means, overcoming doubts and doubters. So, well, thank you so much. So I'm the founder and CEO, probably best known for this. Uh, It's a water called Hint, which is an unsweetened flavored water. And I actually had an idea uh, just over 16 years ago that I really was, was kind of thinking about for my own health initially. So I had no beverage experience, no food experience. I had been a tech executive and sort of known for being a tech executive. I was, uh, prior to founding Hint, I had uh, grown the e-commerce and shopping partnerships for America Online and did that for seven years. It was a billion dollars in revenue to AOL. And uh, I actually had gone through an acquisition. Um, I came in through uh, my first startup and my first job in Silicon Valley, at least for a little spin out of Apple that was a Hmm. little known Steve Jobs idea called Two Market that we were doing CD-ROM shopping. And for those of you who are old (laughs) enough to remember the 90s and sort of when we you know, had dial up services and, you know, you got in a fight with your brother when it was, uh, when he got on, when you were trying to chat, you know, it was like, right. It's so true. So those were the years, the good old times. And so that was a company that had, uh, you know, really, really forward thinking. And again, Steve had thought if I can just throw the graphics on a disc and just tell consumers, stick the disc in the computer, they don't really need to know what's on the disc. They just need to know it's an update. Right. And that, mm-hmm. that was the world that I was living in. We were acquired, went to AOL. And actually prior to that, I was in media in New York, uh, had worked for time magazine. And then also at a, uh, late stage startup that we didn't even call it that back then, but for CNN and, you know, still had Ted Turner running around the office. I learned a ton about culture. Uh, Didn't know I was learning about it then, but going from a very buttoned up environment, very, um, you know, blue blood uh, environment at time to someplace like, you know, CNN where Ted is 
wearing cowboy boots and, and a suit. I, I grew up in Arizona. I never saw anybody wear cowboy boots and a suit before in my life until I saw Ted Turner wearing that. So, uh, that was pretty cool. And, uh, but anyway, I had, you know, great experience. I was the youngest vice president at America Online, one of the first VPs who was a woman at, uh, at America Online. And it was an exciting time. I went through something called a hockey stick while I was there that, you know, for those of you who don't know, I mean, that's, you know, super huge growth. And it was, it, I mean, it was great. It was the time when nobody really thought e-commerce or shopping was going to happen. And, uh, and then all of a sudden it did. And I'm running this group, have a group of 200 people that are working for me uh, remotely all over the country. I was getting up and from my you know, bedroom in, in San Francisco and rolling into my office, uh, you know, practically in my pajamas to kind of run a lot of this. Uh, good, really, really good times. But somewhere along the way, I'd had three kids. And in 2000, 2001-ish uh, timeframe, I, I just decided that I really wanted to spend time with my family. And they were all living in San Francisco. I was you know, getting to know all the United Airlines uh, personnel on, on my flights. And I just thought, I just don't want to be here. I just, I really want to go home and like go to mommy and me classes and, you know, see my husband and just spend more time here versus on a plane and on the East coast where America online was based. And so that's when I, I kind of got off the train and um, it wasn't a popular idea. It was uh, everybody said, you know, you're, you've done really well, you're young, you're, you know, you definitely know what you're doing. You can do a lot of different things. Even in Silicon Valley, I was getting recruited and, and it was just, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and I mentioned this because a lot of people ask me, did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? And I never really thought about it. I worked for amazing people and saw mm -hmm. a lot of different you know, types of management and types of kind of ways to, you know, kind of just hit go and a lot of, of, um, of just going out and trying. I mean, even Ted Turner, like not really even realizing whether or not he could build a network, which was like a giant thing. I mean, nobody <laughs> was doing what he was doing, you know, in the early nineties until he did it. Right. And yeah. there were, you know, it was, it was basically, you got the news at six and 10 and it was ABC, NBC and CBS. And so it was just, it, I had been around enough entrepreneurs, but never actually sat and thought about it. But when I was taking a couple of years off and I guess was really trying to figure out what the heck am I putting in my kids' bodies? Uh, that was, that was probably definitely a component of how I really mm -hmm. started to focus on this stuff. But also I had progressively gained weight over the course of all of my pregnancies. I had developed terrible adult acne that I had seen a bunch of, you know, dermatologists for trying to figure out what the heck I didn't even have this as a teenager. Why is this happening to me now? And then also my energy levels had significantly decreased and kept thinking, I don't really even have a reason, like I don't work, you know, why, why am I so tired all the time? And like, what is going on? I, I was just really off. So that's when I decided to diet for the first time in my life and, and kind of fix all of this before going out and getting a, you know, real job again. And 
uh, I not only saw this confusion that existed, but mm-hmm. also this world of kind of kind of healthy perception versus healthy reality in front of me on the shelf. Should I have low fat? Should I be counting calories? There were all these different messaging coming at me and, you know, frankly, a lot of money behind these things as well. I still didn't get it. And I basically just sort of succumbed to the idea that this was the way I was supposed to be. And, you know, it was just, that's life. And that was the point when I happened to look down at my diet soda. I'd been counting calories in my food, Mm -hmm. but I happened to look down at my diet soda and saw all these ingredients. I was like, wow, if that was food, then I would cancel it. Right. I wouldn't be having it anymore, but it wasn't. And nobody was talking about drinks. Everybody's talking about food and exercise, food and exercise, but nobody was really talking about the drinks. So I thought, I'm just going to try it for a couple of weeks and see what happens. Like at best, maybe I lose a couple of pounds and, but, and let's just see what happens. And, and I'll swap it out for water because I was really thirsty and I had never been a water drinker. So after a couple of days of this and still doing exactly the same thing that I was doing with my food, which frankly was pretty healthy already. That's when I started slicing up fruit and throwing it into the water. I I remember the first time I did it, I think I sliced up fruit and looked around to make sure no one was looking like (laughs) I thought I was kind of cheating because I didn't know if it was, if there were any calories in it. And I I tried even putting a tiny bit of juice in the water, but it was kind of like watered down juice versus actually the fruit was way better. Mm -hmm. And so then two and a half weeks later after doing this, two things happened. Number one, I was always running to the store to grab fruit and slice it up. And it was, you know, not very cost effective, but also kind of inconvenient and a hassle to do that. And then I felt like I really lost weight. I was just, I, I, you know, frankly, like didn't even have a scale in my house anymore because I didn't want to know what the situation was. So I hop on the scale And in two and a half weeks, I had lost over 24 pounds. And that's when, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And my skin cleared up. I had so much more energy. And I remember, I remember like telling my husband, he's like, wait, what? Like, this is crazy. (laughs) And he's like, what have you been doing? Like, I've been having dinner with you. You're not, you know, it's, you're not like not eating. I mean, all, and I said, you know, the only thing I did was switch out my diet soda, diet Coke that I had been drinking, frankly, since I was in high school and not even thinking I was doing the wrong thing. I thought diet, I thought diet soda was healthy and, and basically sugary soda was really bad. And so when I had this, like, you know, epiphany over this trial that I had done, that's when I just said, I'm not going back to diet Coke anymore. I mean, that's like, or diet Pepsi or any of them. Like I'm done with the diet soda chapter. And I tried to solve the problem around the convenience factor of like cutting up fruit. And I went to the store and I looked for a water with just fruit in it. And I thought, am I shopping at the wrong store? I went everywhere. (laughs) I mean, I went to I went to vitamin stores, health, you know, like health stores. I went to like conventional stores. I went to the Costco's of the world, Whole Foods, nobody had it. And instead they were pointing to this other kind of healthier, healthy perception product 
vitamin water, which, you know, was in its heyday 16 years ago. And I remember educating the guy who was stocking the shelves at Whole Foods about vitamin water, how at that point they didn't even have a diet version. They, it was just full fledged sugar. And I realized and educated him that vitamin water had more calories in it than a can of Coke. And Mm. I thought like, just curious, why do you think it's healthier? And he said, because it's vitamin and water. And that's really when I, I I guess my curiosity, I was always super curious and, and clearly being in kind of a build environment with all of these other startups that I had worked in. I just was just every day I was waking up and I was just super curious. Okay. I'm going to go to another store and I'm going to find, I'm going to find out what somebody else thinks about vitamin water and diet soda. Am I the only one that thinks about this stuff? And I just thought, wow, if I could just actually create a product that doesn't have sweeteners in it and has fruit in it, I could help people to get healthier. And that was it. And I, I didn't even call myself an entrepreneur. I, I mean, this was kind of this, we didn't even have this term like side hustle, but this for me was just sort of absorbing time that I had while I was trying to figure out for that real job. And I went into, you know, this back to my store, my whole foods. And I said, Hey, how do I get a product on the shelf? And I don't know about you. I asked this question to a lot of people. There's like, Nope, I, I never did that. Like, I just, I never was curious about what the process was. And I said, I don't know why I was, I just thought it'd be really cool. Like just to tell my friends, yep, I launched a product at whole foods and, you know, and it failed. Like I, I, nobody wanted it and I put it in my pantry and that was the end of it, but that's not what happened. And people, you know, I instead just said, I'm going to just keep doing this and, and you know, see what happens. And again, going back to kind of the curiosity side of it, uh, you know, that I think was really what drove me. And, and, you know, and so many people over the years have said to me, you must be a risk taker. You know, how do you, how are you so fearless? And, you know, I've thought about a lot about that. Am I fearless? I don't know. I, I definitely am scared to do things. And there's been points along the way, you know, that I think about it a lot. And I would share these stories over the years, primarily with entrepreneurs who were trying to do something kind of hard. I think, you know, my, my EQ, right, when I'm out speaking and it's always the Q&A at the end and you see the person who's got these walls up in front of them that, you know, ask the question like, you know, how did you like quit your job? And I'm like, you know, to go and do this company. I'm like, I didn't really quit. I, it was just for me. I mean, I did quit, but I wanted to do it for a different reason. And then I was ready to get moving again. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, I felt like through all these stories, I would help people to figure out their own path. And that they can think for themselves. I'm not going to solve their problem, you know, intentionally. Instead, hear my story, hear how I got a product on the shelf, hear how I raised money, here's how I, you know, overcame my fears. And finally, and then I'll be quiet, uh, finally, the, you know, the other thing that I kept hearing over the years about entrepreneurs is that they're they're not only fearless risk takers, but there's the unicorns and then there's the failures. And I've always felt like the most interesting stuff 
that I've wanted to talk to entrepreneurs about comes in between, right? Like mm -hmm. what happened and how did you, did you, did you run out of money? Did you, uh, you know, did your product get pulled by the FDA? Did you uh, take the company public? And that was the stupidest thing that I, you know, that you ever did, right? Like all these different things. Did you have the wrong people? Right. There, there were all these different things. Uh, did you hit a pandemic? Right. And your category, mm -hmm. just all of these things that really need to be told in order for people just to get smarter about, you know, thinking about their business, but also helping them to recognize that it's it's not easy. Right. You may, yeah. you know, for a photo shoot, have a really nice suit on and, you know, whatever, nice, fancy clothes. I don't know, maybe in Silicon Valley, that's, you know, a $300 t-shirt and nice pair of blue jeans or whatever it is. But it, there's so much more that goes into it that I think people need to know about. And, and uh, while I call myself an accidental entrepreneur, I call myself an accidental author because I, I uh, didn't plan on writing a book. I, I really you know, again, just really wanted to help people. And I'm hearing from so many people that not only has Hint helped them, but also Undaunted has really helped people to kind of, you know, get, move forward and know that it is possible to get something done. That's awesome. That's such a great story. Um, so here you have this great company that's taking off and you decide to write a book. Tell us a little bit about the book. Uh, I, I know what it is. I yeah. haven't actually read it, but just for our listeners. So you talk a lot about facing fear and doubt and those type of things and also deciding to move forward. So what are some tips on how we can do that? Or you know, Yeah, what? well, I think that the first thing is, is that the more you you know, I hate to always even term them as failures, but sometimes they are failures, right? But, mm -hmm. but the more challenges you have, the, the, the more likely that you've built up enough resilience to get through tough times, right? So it's sort of like this, it's on the same level as, as, you know, you give the busiest people the project and it'll get done. You don't really know how it got done. Right. But they just go and figure it out on how to do it. It's the same thing for people that have seen a lot and had a lot of challenges and it, that does not, sometimes it could be based on age and experience, but actually more often than not, it's the people that are you know, hungry, right. And the people that are curious and the people who are resilient and, you know, it's funny. I mean, over the years, people have asked me, you know, how have you gotten, you know, an amazing cap table of investors over the years? If you were to talk to any of my investors, I think, first of all, they like the product, they like Hint, but I think that they also are really banking on me because, you know, mm -hmm. they're like, she is, like sits there and, you know, figures it out, right? She is just going to like, she's the power horse that is going to sit there and go and figure out how to do this and not allow, you know, life or challenges to get me daunted, right? And, and yeah. instead figure out a few steps to move forward. So I think, you know, the short answer is that we all are afraid to fail we're all afraid in general of something and even the most successful people are.
but the key thing for, for you is to figure out how do you move forward and how do you not stay complacent? Because I think complacency is really what kills you. It kills companies, right? You, if mm-hmm. you do not innovate and figure out how to take a couple steps forward. And then finally, I would say celebrating those, you know, little wins and, you know, setting yourself up for failure by having a to-do list of like 15 things that you have to get done. You'll never get 15 things done in a day. And then you think I suck, right? Because I've, you know, (laughs) haven't accomplished what I really wanted to accomplish. Instead, set yourself up for two things and then say, if I get those done, then I'll move on to some other things, have a reach goal, but also have a reasonable you know, plan to actually go and get something done that, that makes you frankly feel good about yourself so that you can get up the next day and say, okay, now I got to go knock this out too. And, and I think that that's, what's really the, the most important thing. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, and, you know, I've, I haven't finished your book completely, but I, you know, reading part of it, um, you know, you had gone and talked to uh, I think it was, was it the CEO of Coca-Cola and he kind of dismissed you. Right. And, and, and he was a doubter. He was doubting you and, and all that you had to do. And I think that, you know, that, you know, in reading your book, that was an interesting part of this, this whole uh, concept of you bringing hint to the world. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We, I, I started getting, product on the shelf and was making progress. I also had four kids under the age of six. I was not the profile. There was plenty of reasons to doubt me, right? Here I am, no experience in the beverage industry. I'm like, you know, juggling, delivering cases to stores with childcare so that you know, I can go and get this done. I only, I had my Jeep Grand Cherokee. I knew how many cases I could fit in my Jeep so that it, before it bottomed out in the hills of San Francisco. I mean, like there was just crazy <laughs> stuff that I was learning about that I just was so focused on making sure that this would happen. But after a year of this, and my husband was helping me, I had sort of enlisted him. I, as I say, he says, I just joined only because. I didn't want you to like file bankruptcy or we, uh, us having to file bankruptcy because you were on this like mission and this path. And, uh, and that's when, like after a year, I thought, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Right. We all have our doubts. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking, I mean, is this the smartest thing for me to do? I'm getting some other opportunities out there. And a friend was talking to me about this and knew this executive at Coca-Cola and said, you know, you have, you've told me, you don't know how you're going to get outside of California because you can't drive your Grand Cherokee and across, you know, to Utah and go deliver product, (laughs) right? You've got to find distributors and you don't exactly know how to do that stuff. Because even if I had an email or a phone number, we were too tiny and we were unknown people. The first question people would ask me is, oh, did you used to work at Coke or Pepsi? And why do you, I mean, why should we bank on you or believe in you? And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a good story. Right. Cause again, people, people size you up really quickly and are you a waste of their time? Right. Mm -hmm. In any industry. And, and anyway, so Uh, that, and then also our shelf life, I was trying to figure out shelf life issues. I really had, I had specs for a product that, you know, were really 
pretty easy, but I thought pretty specific, no sweeteners, no preservatives, but every one of the bottling plants that we were going to was saying, there's no way that we're going to bottle a product here. Cause we don't want to get sued by, you know, the product going bad and somebody dying. I mean, I didn't want that either, but we, you know, we're trying, we kept thinking there has to be a way to, to do this. And again, I, I was really giving up. It was way too hard. And that's when a friend introduced me to this gentleman. When I, when he agreed to meet with me, we had a phone call and about 15 minutes into the phone call, I'm selling him on how great my company is and how, you know, Whole Foods is reordering and it's awesome and everything's great. And he uh, interrupted me and said, sweetie, Americans love sweet. This product isn't going anywhere. And I thought, wait, did he just call me sweet? I've never been called sweetie <laughs> in my life. And I mean, this was kind of the nail in the coffin. Yeah, probably. Like I had a moment in that one hour phone call where I thought, am I still like here? Am I dealing with this, you know, industry? I'm dealing with this jerk on the phone. And I, people ask me like, why didn't you say, excuse me? What did you say? Why didn't you hang up on him? I don't know. I have no idea. I just sat there and like, and stunned. And then I continued to, I, I just decided I'm going to listen to him. And through the next 45 minutes, that's when he started telling me essentially their strategy and what they believed that the consumer really wanted in the product. And what they believed was that the consumer wanted zero calories. They had been at 10 calories at that point. And Nowhere in the next 45 minutes of this conversation did I hear him say that the consumers really want health. And that was my whole purpose. And so when I hung up the phone with him after an hour, and it was you know pleasant enough after that moment of shock that I had, I really think that he thought that I was going to um, you know quit, that I had just yeah. decided to throw the towel in and he wasn't going to help me. And Instead, I thought, wow, they're not focused on health at all. They have a very, very different mission. Maybe it's not even a mission like what I'm doing. I'm really focused on how do I help this consumer get healthier? I had seen it for myself, how you know, diet soda, I'd been drinking it for years thinking that it was going to help me get healthier and it, it wasn't. And so essentially I was hearing you know, exactly what I had said, healthy perception versus healthy reality and tricking that, you know, consumer, he never used that word, but that's what I was kind of hearing. And so I immediately thought, why should I listen to his opinion when we're on a, like two different rivers? Instead, yeah. I thought I shouldn't continue to have a dialogue with him because he has a lot more money than me. And if I convince him that health is like really where it's at, then he'll turn his cruise ship around really quick and come, you know, crush me. Right. And that's, that's really what I thought. And so I, I, I think it's an important story for so many entrepreneurs, primarily because it's one of, you're always going to have doubters. You're going to have the people with lots of industry experience who are going to doubt you. And, you know, you're like an easy target because you think that they're godlike, right? They not only have lots of experience, but lots of money. Mm -hmm. And then you've got your family and friends too, who are, you know, not a big help because they're the ones that they never want you to take risk, right? 
you're an executive, you've, you know, done great, everything like, why doing what you're doing? You know, you've got four <laughs> kids at home. Why, you know, why is this important to you? And, you know, they still love you, but they're definitely doubting and questioning every step that you're making along the way. And it's hard. It's hard. It's lonely at times. But I think that the key thing for me that I saw was that if you've got a vision and you've got a purpose, I mean, mission and purpose driven, that term wasn't even out there 16 years ago, that, you know, you've really got to continue moving that forward and figuring out. I think that the thing that really saved me was that we had been in business for a little over a year. And almost from day one, we were hearing from consumers who called in on our 1-800 number or, you know, emailed in, don't tell any of them, but it was me that they were calling, right? Like I was the customer service person yeah. Yeah. and they would talk to me about, you know, that, that hint was helping them drink more water. It was the first time that I ever heard about this disease called type two diabetes. And, you know, and I, I just was so interested in what this consumer was saying but in addition they kept saying the word help over and over and over again they didn't you know all get together and say let's call Kara or hint and say let's tell her that we're that her product is helping they just used it as a descriptor as mm -hmm. to why they wanted this product and so whenever you've got that relationship with the consumer and I encourage everybody to have a direct relationship with a consumer, especially in today's day and age. When you have these doubters out there, it's almost like, you know, you with the consumer can gang up on them, right? In your brain, kind of thinking, you know, well, I don't know, like, I, I know all of you and you have a lot of experience and whatever, but I have a lot of people who are paying money for this product. It wasn't millions of people. But it was a small enough audience that didn't know me. They weren't doing me a favor buying the drink. They were doing it because they liked it yeah. and they thought it was helpful. And I just thought it's so interesting and how they're spilling, you know, their life out to me about their health. I mean, I just thought it was fascinating. And, and so they were the energy and the drive that kept me going. And we're all going to have these doubters out there. And the key is to try to get started. And I think figuring out how do I find that customer? How do I find these other people that want my product? If you don't have that, then the doubters, they have a, they gang up on you. And, but I think that if you have the consumers who are saying, I kind of like it. And, and again, this is not just for food and beverage. I mean, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's building, Facebook, it was the same thing. It was, you know, Sarah Blakely at Spanx, mm -hmm. uh, Steve Jobs at Apple, right? It was, it, that is really what saves you. That's awesome. I, I love I, and appreciate the fact that you had a focus and a drive and determination to get this thing. And you didn't listen to the doubters that you just pushed through that. And, um, you know, you've, you've added not just water, but uh, I saw you have now sunscreen and mm -hmm. uh, I saw um, hand sanitizer. And what, is there anything else that you're excited for in the near future that you're working on or anything in your life that you're looking forward to in the near future? 
You know, I think more than anything, we launched hand sanitizer during the last uh, year, the last crazy year, <laughs> yeah. primarily because we felt like we were solving a problem that I saw so clearly everything smelled like tequila yeah. and probably yeah. was in some cases. <laughs> and I just thought, what is wrong with this industry? I mean, it's just, you know, I kept thinking some of it really smelled rancid too. And it was, and, you know, was pulled by the FDA at certain points. So you know, we just, we do products that help people stay healthy. And I think, you know, the, the, everything has a purpose and a mission. I I'm always trying to first to get people to launch things that I think are needed in the market. I'm actually in that way, kind of a terrible entrepreneur because I give people <laughs> away. I give away ideas all the time. And, you know, even deodorant, I wanted a deodorant that didn't have aluminum in it. I became, you know, very educated on uh, my father had Alzheimer's 10 years ago, and I became very educated and interested in Alzheimer's and, and sort of brain disease. And aluminum is something that, you know, we on a you know daily basis, the the average consumer comes in contact with a ton of aluminum. They drink out of cans, they're, you know, they use foil, all of these things. Maybe it's okay every once in a while, but there's a lot of doctors that say that it's not so great for dementia and Alzheimer's and just overall brain health. Nobody really, we don't have a cure for Alzheimer's, right? Like nobody really knows for sure, but I just thought, I don't want to, I don't want to keep using antiperspirant, which is, which is aluminum. I mean, that's the difference between deodorant and, and antiperspirant. And because it's, you know, blocking, you know, all kinds of ducks as well and all kinds of, you know, things that people just don't really think about. But more than anything, I wanted to try and use deodorant, but everything had a coconut base and mm. I'm allergic to coconut. A lot of people actually have sensitivities to coconut. It's a class one allergen like peanuts. Um, so it's maybe not as big of an allergy, but it's an important allergy that you can, you know, basically have throat clo closure in a matter of minutes. If you come in contact with it, oftentimes it starts out as like a rash. So a lot of people who are interested in having like natural deodorants, they'll try a natural deodorant and they'll say, Oh, it didn't work. And it gave me a rash. It's probably the coconut. And so anyway, I've, I've talked to so many entrepreneurs and said, gosh, maybe, you know, maybe you guys should go do this, right? You're in the personal care space and nobody would do it. So I was like, ah, I know how, to, I mean, I'm just going to go figure <laughs> out how to, go, how to go do this. And again, like, you know, that for me is, I, I never thought we would, people say, oh, did you always have a plan to go into all these different categories? No, not really. I mean, I, I wish everybody else would have done it. Sunscreen, you know, I wish people would have come out with a sunscreen with no oxybenzone in it before us. And, you know, they didn't. And so that was, that was the, the thing I'm like, well, if they're not going to do it, I'm going to just go do it. And, yeah. and it ends up, you know, not only servicing our customer who really is interested in ingredients and wanting to stay healthy, but I think it actually, sometimes people might not be where other people are in terms of what they're putting into their body. Maybe they're still drinking, you know, diet soda and they just aren't paying attention because they're healthy, right? They're, yeah. they're, you know, they don't have weight issues. They don't diet, right? They just think, oh, you know, my diet soda is just fine. 
suddenly they find our sunscreen because they're really interested in, you know, cosmetics and ingredients. And it's amazing to me how many people enter through other places. And then once they find it and they build trust with the brand, that's when, you know, they'll go try the rest of what the brand has. And I think, you know, me as a, a founder and people who know me really well know that I, we don't have a product. Any of our products are, are bad, right? I would never launch. I mean, it goes through a lot of cycles, you know, before not just like, you know, lab testing, but I mean, I, I give it away to so many friends and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, my, my kids, my Gen Z, my four Gen Zers, I mean, are so critical. I mean, it's just like, they're, they're constantly that sucks, you know, this is bad, you know? So we're, I mean, you just get a couple of those and you're like, yeah, I don't know that they're, they're my doubters at home, but they're, they're important ones, right. That right. are, right. you know, telling you whether or not this is like worth actually putting your, your brand name on it. Kara, this has been a, a really fascinating conversation. I, you brought some things that I, I didn't even think about. So, so thank you for that. Absolutely. So, so in closing, Shane and I, we do what's called the double down dose. And so we ask two questions, one from each of us. Um, and so the first question that I have is what is your definition of heart or having heart? I think actually you know, loving who you're with and what you're doing every single day. And I think so often you're, you, if you have that, then you expend that right a mm -hmm. as well. And, you know, having gratitude, having, you know, caring for people. Um, I think that it really starts with yourself and you can't, I don't think you can expend if you're not feeling it, what you're doing every single day is what you want to be doing either. Yeah. I echo what Jason said. I've really enjoyed this discussion. I think it's applicable to he and I, and what we're going through. Um, so I appreciate what you've yes, said. Absolutely. Uh, the second part of double down dose is how would you define hope? How would I define hope? Uh, you know, I think for, for me, hope is really generated by, by mission, right? And, and it's, it's a, uh, it's something that is kind of a, a it's a goal, right? But mm -hmm. it has to start somewhere that you, you know, you can hope for, um, you know, you name it, there's lots of different problems in the world, but unless you're actually figuring out those steps to actually contribute to change, then, you know, oftentimes hope can't happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that having, I feel like hope so often um, does not, and it should go on with responsibility. And if you care about something enough, um, that, you know, you want it to happen, then you should make it happen. That's awesome. I love it. This has been such a wonderful discussion, Kara. I, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to, to be with us and yeah. share these just super cool ideas. And, and I hope for your continued success with Hint and everything that you have going on. That's so awesome. All the stuff you've got. That's amazing. Thanks. 
Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, Kara, thank you so much. Best, best wishes to you and your company and, and your family. So thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you.